Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. feel the love tonight live from the figure studios it is weekend geek update smurf here a little happy a little sad a little nerd that's going mad no i, I have no idea i'm just making that up as we go <laughs> happy thanksgiving let me be the first probably not the last to wish you and yours a, a very happy festive four-day weekend as we go blazing into retail hell for some of you some it's a nice little vacation i feel you my fellow retailers thank god i don't have to do that anymore but um again i feel your pain we're all brethren Oh, Weekend Geek update here, Smurf, and we are sponsored by Dragon Meadery, so if you're looking for some unique gift, let me introduce you to Dragon Meadery. Go ahead and click on the link below and check out their amazing flavors of mead. It is a unique gift, it is something spectacular, and I think it is the most flavorful substance on the planet it is delicious so many flavors so many things to choose from give it a look give it a sample and you know what treat yourself you don't have to buy it for somebody you can buy it for you and go hmm that was the best gift to me ever and with that said no i have not been drinking it's still early and i still have stuff to do so there you go but what is going on there's so many things to tell you about let me start with how amazing uh, the Lego Brickfest was lots of stuff, so many builds, so many ideas, and now the the Lego Village, my Lego Village, is in absolute anarchy as I have uprooted, pulled things apart, working on mills plates, and just overall anxious to uh, incorporate some of the ideas that I had seen. It's great, and I understand not a lot of people get Lego, and it's okay. And it's it really is okay. I'm just this little... And I think it's just, like, lack of anything else to, you know, like, relax at the end of the night, deconstruct. I don't know. I'm just having fun with it. So, uh, and now it's just taking up a lot of space. So, have to reconstruct, rebuild, and come up with something entertaining and, and engaging. So, there you go. As I get it finished, I'll send pictures up. That way you all can see my, my insanity. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, so speaking of Thanksgiving... Let's get into this right away, because uh, this by far was the best horror film I have seen of the batch so far. This release, uh, uh, screening releases. The and speaking of my my retail brethren, this ties directly into it. It kind of takes a page, an extreme page, albeit from back in the day when people would you know line up and there would be just this mob of people outside of a store waiting to get, you know, a waffle iron or a TV or that one, you know, back in the day, iPod that you had to have. Yes, I know. Nobody uses iPods anymore. But 
People would be outside, freezing their butts off, camped out, lawn chairs, you name it, ready to try and get the one deal. Of course, everything has changed uh, and, and it's a lot simpler. But Thanksgiving takes this environment, this image of back in the day, the Cabbage Patch doll craze, and elevates it beyond anything I thought possible. And it is glorious fun. The The celebrity lineup is impressive. We get McDreamy. Gina Gershon is in there. Um, a few of the kids are mostly unknown to me, but uh, the performances and everything that comes out is so well done. And just, it's, okay, there is slasher, there is blood, there is guts, there's gore, but it's fun. It's it's so, it's an R-rated film, which, again, if you're going to do horror, you can't do PG-13. And it, you just can't. It's just the way it is. So watching this is... A flashback to back in the day and how things could have gone if they had, you know, continued that way with retail and the lack of the internet and all of the fun stuff that we have now and take, you know, for granted. As there is a slaughter of people when they burst burst through the door, and it is so. I mean, it is so over the top that it's just. It's just funny. It really is. And I know I shouldn't laugh about it, and some may call me a sick, twisted bastard, and that's fine. But it is just fun. It really has the feel of old-school horror, and I, I, I really dig it. And I love, I love seeing teenagers die. I really, I really do. So right in there with, like, Friday the 13th, and you, you don't see it coming. I, okay, so at the beginning of the film, I called out like who I thought was was going to be the killer, and through it, I did have my hesitations that I may have picked incorrectly, and come to find out that I did. But the culprit, uh, I thought about, but it seemed like no, yeah, no. But I I stayed true. I held my guns. I was like, yep. He's the killer. He's the one that did it. And uh, I was wrong. I <laughs> absolutely missed the mark on it, but. Worth watching. I know if you're going to do anything for Thanksgiving this weekend, the uh, Napoleon film, which looks absolutely inspired, such a history buff. And I mean, I will go see this this weekend, without a doubt. But if you're looking for something different and just out of the out of the norm, and you still want to celebrate the holiday, get yourself some Thanksgiving. Hee haw! Speaking of horror films, I you. Uh, so if you're not in the mood for going out and you just kind of want to stay close, but you're still in kind of a horror vibe, I have to say, uh, admit something. I'd given up on the Saw franchise ages ago. And for right for good reason. First of all, you have Greg Hoffman, who was the brain and helped develop Saw and Saw 2. And, of course, it was through Saw 2 that I, I think he passed away. It was either, like, during the making or right at the tail end. And then after that, I mean, it didn't get immediately bad, but it was a sharp decline, and it just got more, I don't know, just gimmicky and the uniqueness was starting to wear off and it was just more of like a torture film rather torture series rather than anything else it was hostile times 10 but the original two saw films were 
very well put together. They were, I, I don't want to say masterpieces, because I hate to throw that word around so, you know, laissez-faire, but it was. it's hard to really compete with the first Saw film. Tobin Bell, who plays Jigsaw, is just on point. He delivers an incredible performance, and you, you almost feel for him. You want to side with the bad guy, and I think that's what makes the Saw, the first couple of Saw films, so appealing, so just palpable. You wanna, you wanna, you want to be Jigsaw. You want to be on Jigsaw's side, and 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 I know you don't want to torture people, but you can you can feel them. Again, a good villain, you can honestly want to side with them. <clears throat> Magneto, Thanos, the list goes on. But I'm not like some sick, twisted bastard. But I can appreciate the the level in the intricacies that it took to do the first two Saw films. But after that, it lost its personality. It lost its, its, its soul, if you will. And that's fine. I watched Saw X, and the first thing out of my mouth was, holy shit, this feels just like the original two. And, it, and for good reason. I mean, first, of course, Tobin is back as Jigsaw. And there's a couple of other characters that return, but we develop on a story that we have forgotten, I think. And it really did have the feel of Saw 1 and 2. And it was, I, I again, had the same feelings on the edge of my seat and just totally engrossed into the film. It had the weird twists. It had the extreme um, devices, but it wasn't, it wasn't as... I don't know, gruesome or in your face as the franchise has grown into at this point. So if you're looking for kind of old school main vein saw feel and kind of just see a very interesting twist and developing of Jigsaw, Saw X is absolutely something you should see. And if you loved the first Saw film, as I know most of the horror fans and the people that I know and interact with on a daily basis absolutely love the film. Uh, you need to see Saw X. And I know you're probably like me where you're like, uh, no. Trust me. Sit down. Watch this. It's worth it's worth the visit. Trust me. What else? Oh, let's see. So much to talk about in the Netflix world because uh, I don't know if Netflix is imploding, burning, or just uncertain of what it wants to do. First out of the gate, Shadow and Bone is canceled. Uh, and um, you know what? And when I, when I talked about the conclusion of Season 2 for Shadow and Bone, this comes as no surprise because I even said in that review that it fell flat. It, there was some great moments, but it just it just seemed to just fall short of expectation. They couldn't get it over the hill. So to see the show canceled, eh, I'm sad because I would like to have hoped and wanted to see some kind of redemption for the series. I liked the world they created. In fact, the one thief group, I wanted to see more on them and their progression than I did on the Royals and, you know, the rest of the superpowered idiots that were kind of running around. And I thought there was a great opportunity to really kind of get into, I don't know, the heart of the group or the 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 series with a third season, things that kind of were left hanging and we could have seen some real development for the story, for some of the characters that seemed 
flat, lacking any kind of true emotion. Especially when you compare season one to season two. I powered through season one quite quickly. And when we got to season two, it just seemed, eh, again, flat. And it seemed, in my humble opinion, that season two wasted a lot of the potency of the characters and kind of got mucked up with some of the smaller details that I mean, at the time, of course, did progress the character. But I think they missed the larger picture. They had the opportunity of making this much grander than it ended up being and wasted a lot of the talent and the character's development and the actors that they had working for them. So, albeit, I'm not surprised, but I am kind of disappointed. Hopefully, everyone recovers well from it. I know a lot of people have been tweeting and expressing their dismay over it being canceled. And I do have to agree that it being canceled is kind of sad. Uh, even the author had uh, tweeted their heartfelt love towards the fans and how much this actually meant to them and their opportunity of getting their work on the big screen and extremely proud of its presentation, its adaptation, and all of the power that went into getting this created. So... If you're a Shadow, Shadow and Bone fan, sorry, uh, I guess it's time to find something else to watch on Netflix, which uh, is not going to be difficult. Not difficult, but mm, kind of discouraging. So here's my thought. And Red and I kind of share the same thought about continuation sequels and all of that. And after a couple of years, you just kind of miss the point. People lose interest. You, you know, kind of come to the conclusion and you're, you're fine and you're done and, and all of that. But I don't, I, I'm really scratching my head on this story. Beverly Hills Cop 4 uh, with Eddie Murphy returning to Netflix and I'm just kind of wondering why. I mean, I... <sighs> Don't get me wrong. I like Netflix. I, I, I think they've made some wise decisions and they've made some huge bumbling ones. But I don't know if giving Eddie Murphy a shot at Beverly Hills Cop 4 is one of their better decisions. The first couple of films, great. Never really wanted to see the third one. And for them to bring out a fourth one... I know Eddie Murphy does not need the money, and, and he has always said, and I find it interesting that Eddie Murphy has always said as he progresses through his career that he may end where he started by doing stand-up, to go back out on stage and and finish out his career doing stand-up, and I, I, I think... Uh, it was, I think it was, uh, it was uh, celebrities uh, driving cars, having coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, and they had he had an interesting conversation with him in regards to how he wants to close out his career. And I think Eddie, seeing how successful Seinfeld is, doing you know the the comedians in cars getting coffee, and I could almost see Eddie Murphy doing something like that, or even Letterman. Letterman's little spot-up shows and his few short interviews that he does with celebrities have been thoroughly entertaining. In fact, I think his 
his new series and all of that when he finally does interviews has been more entertaining and more engaging to me than you know his late show at when it came to its final few years on on TV so to see Letterman do this and have that kind of passion is refreshing and I want Eddie Murphy to have that kind of same go out in a blaze of glory on his terms and not being a Netflix puppet I so here's the deal Jerry Bruckheimer is involved, which kind of gives me some kind of hope. It is, however, been 30 years since Eddie Murphy has been in this role. Think of all the things that Eddie Murphy has done in the past 30 years since hanging up the the Detroit Lions jacket. It just... Now, the series is set to premiere in 2024 sometimes, and Bruckheimer has said, uh, and this is a direct quote, Every day he's there throws you back to the 80s. And I, to hear that kind of gives me some joy, some hope. And maybe I'm being a little bit too judgmental out of the gate. But my expectations, again, are kind of low on this. And I don't like throwing stones. And we all know I try to give a positive spin to everything. But there are times when I'm looking at things scratching my head. I mean, come on. Eddie Murphy first played Axel in, he was 22, if I think my math is correct. So that's that's a long time. But, you know, maybe, maybe there's something here. There are stills that have been released through Empire Magazine showing some behind-the-scenes stuff. It's worth a peek. I, I'm an Eddie fan. I, I'm going to watch it, and maybe, just maybe, they're going to surprise me. Speaking of surprises, it was no surprise that the Marvels bombed at the box office. Uh, and in fact, it is the worst comic book movie ever. Think about that. Worst comic book movie ever. And has had the biggest drop-off from week one to week two in the history of comic book films. Yes, just wrap your brain around that. Uh, we have a review up on 5280geek.com and on our Facebook page. If you want to saunter on over there, we have a spoiler-free, make-your-own-conclusions review. And we try to be open-minded, but uh, we gave it a shot. We showed up. It sucked. And uh, there you go. And it's not just me. The fans have spoken as well and have shown that uh, it is not worth the the photons it would take to launch it into space. Also, some interesting news came out yesterday, and I wasn't going to talk about this because it could have been for a lot of reasons, and there are some political reasons behind this decision, and we have a strict no, no politics uh, conversations on the podcast. However, uh, so if you're late to this story, I apologize, but... The Scream franchise is up in arms. I mean, it is it is absolutely going nuts as the lead, uh, Melissa Barrera, has quit. And I guess, from my understanding, there were some rather disparaging posts from her in regards to the heated conflict between what's going on in Israel and all of that. And again, no political talk, nerd talk. So that's fine. You can you can you can say what you want to say. There are consequences. So those consequences were Melissa basically being uh, sacked or leaving the 
the Scream franchise. And news today now, in light of that, uh, we have Jenna Ortega now not returning. So what does this mean for the, the Scream franchise as Nev Campbell as well is not coming back and they've basically killed every other character off? And I know that the Scream franchise was trying to get its legs back and kind of trying to go at it again. But I think at this point... The writing is on the wall. The Scream franchise, albeit the last one, wasn't bad. I, I it, it wasn't good. <laughs> it had my attention, but it wasn't really what I would say as a absolute standout. If I would actually compare right now the two Scream franchises and Saw franchises, I'm more inclined to lean towards the Saw. That was a lot more engaging, and I enjoyed it a lot more thoroughly than the Scream. Scream just seems like low-hanging fruit. They've taken the easy way out. Scream at least, or not Scream, Saw at least, makes you think. There, there, There's moves upon moves and things that going on. Scream is just simple misdirection and, you know, the, the trick twist end at the end that, you know, screams M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. And you just can only take that so much. I honestly think you just let the Scream franchise ride off into the sunset, hang up the ghost face on the door as you go out, and just leave it be. But that's just my opinion. What else? All right, let's switch on over to the other side. Let's get something fun. And Incredibles, or Incredible is incredible. It's fun. I really enjoy the hell out of that over on Amazon. There haven't been too many surprises. The latest episode kind of gives you a little twist, but uh, all in all, enjoying it thoroughly. However, I'm scratching my head in regards to what I'm seeing over on Apple TV, and that is the Monarch series, which is basically Godzilla. Godzilla series that is... I, I, I don't know what to think about it. And we're taking the standpoint of Monarch, which is the organization that are the, the monster hunters, the titan trackers, the people that know about Godzilla and Kong and everything else. I honestly think in the first episode, I saw Xander Smith's rock monster from Godzilla vs. Kong. And that was cool. I messaged Xander to like, hey, dude, is that your rock monster? He hasn't responded yet, so I'll have to follow up with him when I see him. But that said, I'm kind of scratching my head because there is some weird, like, back and forth kind of jumping thing. And there's a there's a like a scandal, a mystery, if you will, about the Titans. And Monarch is at the center of it. So why? Why? I mean, everyone saw Godzilla show up. So what's the point of trying to keep things quiet so what's what's the real story and i've had time to think about this and they've taken things and done um different cuts from the film we do get some cool you know monster fights john goodman makes an appearance but i don't know if it's like a rehash or something different from one of the other films it looks like current john goodman and there's just some cool stuff so I'm not sure where it's going. There's some kind of thing going on that Monarch doesn't want the rest of the public or people to find out about. And 
If we get more monsters, I'm all for it. So I'm waiting to see if we get more Godzilla. And I love that they're the characters refer to like G-Day when Godzilla showed up and just destroyed California, which is <laughs> which is fun. But you see the fallout and there's a lot of it. And the characters, as as we've seen, because there's only been two episodes, so there's really no understanding of where this is going just yet. Kurt Russell, yes, the Kurt Russell, is one of the main protagonists in the show, it would appear, as he has been uh, a younger version of himself, which is another Russell, I believe. It's, it's hard to hide that chin. But he is a younger version of himself when they first discover the Titans and what the, the story is, is it progresses to present day. And now we have, you know, older Kurt Russell. So uh, what happens and where it goes is a great question. I'm completely invested on this because I want to, I want to understand. And if there's a chance to actually get a good monster fight in, even better. I've seen Godzilla more times in, you know, the the Monarch series than I did the first Godzilla film, which made me happy. So, I'm in. But the problem and for some of you this is going to be very prevalent, it's on Apple TV. And a lot of my friends and people that I know don't have Apple TV and I I have to I'm on your side. The only reason I have it is because of a hookup. So, I'm with you. If not, I would have to figure out a way to how I was watching this series. But so far, first two episodes in, uh, it's worth it. I'm loving it. Let's 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 go blow up Tokyo. And what else? On to Marvel. Speaking of the Marvels, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I won't go back to that. <laughs> but I will talk about uh, the trailer. Holy crap! The trailer for What If, what if Season 2 was everything I had hoped for, fingers crossed, and then some. And then, on top of that, we get the news that What If Season 2 is going to be December 22nd, and every day, for nine consecutive days, which is nine episodes, there's going to be a new episode of What If. I'm, I think this is, this is great. I'm absolutely pleased with myself and with Disney and and everybody behind this masterful plan because what better way to to celebrate going into the holiday season than what if every day of the week starting on on December 22nd some of the stories look particularly compelling it looks like we got some return voice actors and I'm I'm really I'm really digging the watcher vibe it really Looks great. If you want to link uh, on uh, 5280geek.com, I will have the trailer link right there. Go check it out. The art looks wonderful. I mean, it looks better than anything that I have I have seen recently. Uh, and But, you know, that could change tomorrow. But all in all, very geared up, very excited. And it looks like we get some Christmas-themed Christmas stories. But if you're going to do a Christmas-themed Marvel it's got to be Guardians of the Galaxy. I will be watching that for sure, along with A Wish for Wings at Work. So it's, it's going to be uh, What If, Wish for Wings at Work, and finish off with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy for the holiday season. And maybe Batman the Animated Series, where Joker breaks out of Arkham flying a Christmas tree and singing a song, which... <laughs> which is still pretty good. 
All right, what else we got? Okay, so I've put this off long enough, and it's about time I unleash my take on Season 2 of Loki. And this will be my final talk about it, for now. Might come back and revisit this, depending upon what happens in some of the upcoming Marvel stuff. Now... I may have some spoilers. If you haven't watched it yet, I apologize. But I'm trying not to spoil it for you. But I have some issues. And I don't know if... Again, here's the issue I had with season one. And I've talked about this repeatedly, about if we needed a joke or something funny, we kicked Loki in the nads and we moved on. And it it, it was rather lowbrow humor. But season two proved to be very compelling. But it was very jumpy, and like I had said prior, I, I, trying to follow the story was a bit confusing, and it was it was a little bit more difficult than need be. However, as we moved forward, some of the story got explained as Loki is basically not only traveling in time but different dimensions. So this this all in powerful, empowered storytelling god of mischief basically elevates himself to a higher plane and a level that he's never really thought well he wanted but i don't think he ever thought he was going to get here this way and to see how this story progressed was interesting and to say the least i love tom hiddleston as loki just let me say that flat right out and for the last 12 years it has been an absolute joy and pleasure to watch Hiddleston work. And it's even carried to where I, I, I've watched other films with him. And, and, and I've followed his career. I've even watched him do uh, a, a charity soccer event just because uh, I, I admire the man. And he, and he knows what he wants. And he's just got this swagger about himself. Okay? And, and maybe there's a slight little bro crush there. Maybe. I don't know. But he's fun. He's a, he's a cool guy. If I had a chance to hang out and buy the man a drink, you bet your ass I'm going to do it. So to see how all of this went was interesting but disappointing. I mean, let's also look at the other huge two standout characters, which, of course, first right out of the gate, nobody can deny Obi was absolutely just wow the whole (sighs) obi character he did a great job i want a goonies reunion more so than i ever have before and that just says a lot seeing key work is just um spectacular and the obi character is just so endearing and just you, you love him. You want to go up. You want to hug the man. You want to you want to get him a cookie or some tea, whichever, key lime pie. What a, here? Sit down. Put your feet up on a sofa. There is just so much fun watching him work. And of course, Owen Wilson delivers probably one of I I, I don't want to say his best performances, but Owen Wilson definitely has the heart of Morbius and 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 all of that in this series absolutely jonathan majors who is jonathan majors he hits all the right keys he really does and i don't know what goes on in his personal life and i don't really care what i see on the screen it may in interfere with his his career it's fine but i really do like his his portrayal of king 
Kang the Conqueror. And Victor Timely, as he he did this, this character was great. The versatile nature of how he approaches characters is is spectacular and i want to see more from jonathan majors i i really i really do and it's disappointing when again personal interferes with professional but that said the season two for loki left me scratching my head and a little upset simply just because of how it ends and I, I promised I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'm, uh, I'm going to touch on this. There is um, the Tree of Life from Norse mythology. And to go as far as we did in this series, just to end up there, kind of, it's cool. It's, it has a rather complete feel to it. You know, it, go, it comes full circle and... Loki has always said he has glorious purpose and to see him become the the life tree or the tree of life is is circular and it is so powerful that Loki's always just wanted to be a god and burdened with glorious purpose and to finally see that purpose come to fruition as it does is sad and and powerful all at the same time because at this point i think everyone is in love with the loki character you're you're rooting for him you're pulling for him you want to see him elevate past the god of mischief and he does we have seen it from the end of season one actually even within the first couple episodes of season two of just how much of a character Loki has grown. Even in Infinity Gauntlet, when Loki's murdered by Thanos, it's like, oh, oh, that that was probably one of the more painful moments in that series for me, just to see Thanos take him out like that. But I'm glad that they gave him a chance. They gave him his, his redemption tour, and he redeems himself quite beautifully. And it's just to see how this ends, again, it's a mixed bag for me where I feel I want to cheer Loki on, but at the same point, I don't want to see him leave. I think Marvel getting rid of all of its Avengers and characters that we've come to love over the last 10, albeit 12 years, for Loki is is, is sad. We, we've built this franchise, we've built these films, and to just now finally close the book on so many of them feels premature to me. And I think that there were so many other stories that could be told and maybe still can if Marvel approaches it correctly. Will we see Loki again? Even Hiddlestad is kind of ambiguous about answering the question, and I don't think he knows any more than the the Marvel executives as they're scratching their heads on what next to do. They have their floor plan, and it's all laid out, and hopefully we will see something uh, but I know that they are seriously rethinking a lot of their <laughs> uh, previous mentioned plans. Will Loki reappear? Excellent question. I would love to see Owen Wilson and uh, everyone from the Time Agency, come the TVA, come back. I don't think that this needs to be the final chapter. And in fact, um, I'm sure Sylvie, who makes it out at, at the end, which I wish they would just call her the Enchantress and just be done with it, uh, has a huge possibility for a season three. And if it's approached right, I could see the, 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 the series carrying on for at least a while, especially if you throw in Obi 
I mean, there, there's, there's chemistry there. There's, there's the potential, and it, it could be, it could be fun. It could be entertaining. And there are a couple of stories. They're not TVA, but that you could pull from that would make this doable. Especially when you look at uh, one particular mutant-driven book called The Exiles. And I think there's a good possibility and potential that you could pull stories from The Exiles series and integrate it into the TVA. I think that there's a huge opportunity, and maybe even we could get some of those characters from The Exiles. Morph and Blink, which were two of my favorite characters in the series, coming on to the TVA... I think would be fun. And I know it's alternate realities and dimensions and all of this does kind of play directly into the TVA. So if they're paying attention, if they're looking at the the comics that have laid the way. So all I'm saying, Marvel, you have the tools, you have the talent. Just just look look in the rearview mirror and you can find what you're looking for. It's right there. They've, they've, they've already done the hard work. They wrote the story. All you got to do is kind of piece it together. And there's some great stories. If you have not read the Exile series, um, there's a couple of them. But the first one that came out in uh, early 2000, I think it was like 2001, was one of my favorites for a while. And you had characters coming and going a lot. You would get comfortable with one character just to have them die. But then you would continue forward and get the opportunity of getting a new character, somebody different, someone recognizable but different. And that was, in a way, kind of fun, this special kind of rotation of different versions of the same character, which we have already seen that in Loki. So carry on with the tradition. Keep the TVA alive. Adapt the Exile series, and just move forward. I know DC's Legends of Tomorrow tried to do it with the time stream and all of that, and, you, and it, was, it was okay. But Marvel's already, has already done this, and they've done it better than anybody else. And there's the opportunity. That's what my hope, that is what my final thoughts are on that and my take on Loki. What else? Oh, so this is... I've been actually waiting for this. And uh, I kind of touched on this story uh, a little bit last year just based on... It, it was curious to me what the the outcome was going to be. And, of course, then another announcement came. And I'm just like, okay, everyone's jumping on the bag wagon. Let me catch you up. The video game industry has done years and years and years and years and years of trying to adapt their video games to film. And let's face it, they have most of the time, fallen drastically short of the mark. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, although kind of cool and sort of true to the game, again, you missed out on the phone guy. Come on. The, The adaptation of the video games has faltered and most of the time failed. It is only with Super Mario Brothers, the new animated one, and The Last of Us that I feel that they have accomplished adapting video games. And those two series, if you look at them aside from all the other ones, were were actually really well done. And I know Last of Us Season 2 they're talking about, and that's supposedly in the works, but they haven't officially, well, they've, they've softly said, yeah, we're working on it. But that's not my point. My point is that we're looking at 
hopefully time and care when it comes to our beloved video games. And one of the said video games, of course, is uh, one that's near and dear to a lot of people's fault. Uh, heart, and I'm talking about the Fallout series. The these games are great, and I know um, last year, I think it was during the, um, I think it was one of the anniversaries. I don't know if it was a year or last year or the year before that they they announced that there was going to be a a series, and they even had um, Jonathan Nolan from Westworld signed on to do it. However, we haven't really seen a whole lot, and of course, it, it kind of keeps going back and forth of what's going to happen. There was this really weird kind of like trailer that got launched that showed the keyboard and interaction of the the, the new film or Fallout or whatever for. The, the series, but it hasn't really gone anywhere. So the only reason I kind of bring this up is now Zelda has been uh, thrown out there as well. Now, we've seen some stuff that's coming for uh, on the horizon. Um, we've got God of War, which will be premiering on uh, Prime Video, which they, uh, again, fingers crossed. And speaking of Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn is just going to be on Netflix. So uh, I don't know how we're going to fare with those. But now Nintendo has officially announced that a live-action feature film based on Legend of Zelda is in development. So uh, I don't know if this is a good idea. And let me tell you why. <laughs> Zelda, Fallout Boy are, are are I know very vast different games, but very world oriented. Where do you start? What do you leave in? What do you leave out? And we had the same thing with Mario Brothers, but I think how they approached it worked rather well. And do you make these live action? Do we go animated? And all of these questions bear heavy consideration because what limitations are out there? What kind of budgets are you dealing with? I can honestly say that of the two, Fallout and Zelda, I could see Zelda being quite successful as an animated as Mario. That I I still hold true that that is probably one of the best adapted films to video games this year. I mean, as much as I loved The Last of Us, I'm, I remember raving, and I still do, about how good that was. But I still would like to have seen more on the clickers. I would have seen... I wanted to see more of the creatures, but then... There's there there's where the budget comes into effect. How much can we spend? Animation, we can draw and create whatever we want, and it's a time thing. So where where do you sacrifice? Where do you throw in and where do you draw the line? I don't know if Zelda is the perfect thing to adapt to film or the small screen and a streaming service taking over for it might not be <sighs> the best idea but there's a lot of content there's a lot of world building that has gone into zelda same thing for fallout i i want my own personal pet boy and i think that there's some great fun to be had about the series and i can honestly see fallout going along the same lines as the last of us 
they're 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 very could well could be an easy way to do Fallout as a live action if we ever see it get off of the ground. So names have been named, people have been chosen, and things are supposedly in progress. I don't know, but of my choices, I'd have to say it's a dead heat. I don't know which one I'd see care to see more come to. Um, being adapted. The problem is if it's done wrong and you, you manage to enrage the nerds, I, I know that there's going to be some serious hell to pay, not only from Nintendo, but Nintendo fans, they can be vicious. <laughs> and on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. <laughs> I hope you guys have an enjoyable four-day weekend. I will be out there. Um, I will be making an appearance at uh, Galacticon this weekend. I will be uh, in attendance, and I may actually be making an appearance on stage for the podcasting portion of the programming, appearing with the longtime friend, longtime listener, and good friend, Mr. Josh Hawks, over at Points of Interest. So... If you're in the area and you want to come down and join us, by all means, please do. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about, but knowing Hawks and I will be very entertaining. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night.